Hey everybody, it is Mike Schulte and welcome to episode number 53 of the Iowa Music Scene Podcast. I almost said Cedar Rapids Music Scene Podcast, that used to be the old thing, but we changed. We're all encompassing. Uh, it's been about six weeks since I did an episode and that's kind of my bad, a small hiatus, nothing nothing I wasn't dogging on you on purpose I just I've been doing some other stuff right I I'm planning single-handedly the biggest most ambitious live stream ever attempted in the history of the world for New Year's Eve which is proving to be really fun but also insane and lots of work and uh, if you haven't heard we we started another podcast uh, AJ Venz Sean Pryor and myself called confused breakfast and we do a lot of movie classic movie reviews so you know that's kind of it's like the new girlfriend we've been kind of getting in like like we want to spend more time with her than this old doggy, you know, Iowa music scene. But I'm just, I'm just messing with you guys. I'm back, and I wanted to bring a special guest in for this one. Um, you probably know him. Uh, I'll read, I'll read the, I'll read the thing from his uh, Facebook page. You ready for this? See if, see if you know who this is. So this person, self-proclaimed one-man jam machine, bringing a massive variety of music and sound together seamlessly. Whoever wrote that is a smart person because that's how I view this person. We have, in my opinion, the hardest working man in the local scene, Casey Klein. How the heck are you? Glad to, glad to have you on the podcast, man. I'm doing very well, man. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm good. I'm just, uh, just the end of the year. I feel like ma- I, I'm hoping magically that at the stroke of midnight on Christmas Eve, that like all of a sudden the world is a better place. But I'm starting to realize that's probably, uh, probably not going to happen, right? Yeah, can I mean, can please promise me that it'll happen? I like to be optimistic. I don't like the doom and gloom, even if that's what it is. I still don't like it. You know what I mean? Well, dude, so. it's really funny that you say that because actually one of the reasons I did want to bring you on here. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but uh, I do view you as a positive influence. I think there's there's too often there's negativity involved in in scenes of people especially music scenes of people and mm-hmm. it's ultimately i think the downfall of the community of musicians but you always seem to be lifting people up and and saying check these people out check these guys out and so number one i wanted to com- compliment you on it and i think that there's more of that that we can have and i i'm hoping that maybe this conversation rubs off on some people and they they learn that positivity is the way oh i hope so too and i mean like when you first invited me to the the group formerly cr music well i think it's the group still that yeah okay yeah but you know same same feel uh when i got in there it was nice to see how many people were there but before we argued about things like <laughs> coronavirus and politics we uh, i mean the group was fun but it didn't take long for people to really go the first and longest most drawn out argument the undying argument the giant elephant in every goddamn room is always the cover versus original thing it's oh. been refreshing to see that die because we'd rather argue about face masks and vaccines but at the same time it's just still there. I'm pretty sure that you and I were both commenting on somebody's something somewhere not that long ago, like less than a week ago, 
where this battle came about. And I really don't understand it because like one person I remember way back at the beginning said to you specifically, like you're not running a community for musicians, you're running a union for employed musicians. And I'm just like, I mean, yeah, but at the same time, it's yes and no, though. I mean, it's it's like a backhanded compliment almost. It wasn't intended that way, but it's like, it's true. I mean, you're unionizing, but like, that's just the way you choose to use words. You know, you make a community. The word union is in community. Right. And I get what he, I get what he's saying, but at the same time, I feel like anytime business gets brought into the conversation, there's a whole group A of people who just assumes that that means bad because now business is involved. Right. But then there's also the counter to that where there are guys in cover groups and things like that who always wave their money in in the faces of people who aren't like making capital for music and that's equally bad but the problem is is that those two people have the loudest mouths and like those two groups of people are always fighting with each other and i think the majority <laughs> of people are kind of quiet and in the middle but a lot of them aren't going to speak up so it's like when i promote people and i talk about people it has nothing to do with like the type of content but rather the quality of the type of content that they're doing because like surf zombies is one of my favorites around here Definitely. it's like there's not a lot of bands who are playing surf rock music no. like true to form like they are doing but they're like the best and they would fit in like if the any member is listening to this like i know brooke checks up on this like there's an entire like festival market for a group like that like a super heady surf jam band you they if they can tap into the right group of people, they're going to be playing nationwide, like a matter of overnight. Like their success already is great, but it's just a matter of the right people. So it's like, it's not about getting everyone or everything to agree, but just like knowing where you're at and being comfortable with it. And like their group who I think really take it and run with it. And their bass player, Trevor, is like one of the best songwriters in the area. It's and amazing, that's just one group it? I could go on about forever. Well then, so so I mean, let me let me ask you this. I, I think I think you're probably like me that you think that our area, our Cedar Rapids, getting into Iowa City, just in the general the state of Iowa, Eastern Iowa, that we have some of the best musicians and bands that I I think I I would go pound for pound with any area in the U.S. and say that we have some of the best bands and musicians uh, completely. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that 100% as well as like producers, engineers, completely. DJs, every, everybody, a comment that gets brought up a lot in like the electronic community is, is like a lot of names that have blown up over the years. Like Iowa was having like some super intimate, like tight room shows with when no one gave a shit about them, but like we gave a shit about them. Yeah. And the scene was amazing. The same goes for like rock and like the more true to form country music i don't know if you're familiar with an artist by the name of cody jinx oh yeah no there's there's a ton around here but he uh he is a national performer but he just recently reflected on like a show he played in des moines iowa at the beginning of his career he made 75 dollars. that was enough <laughs> for like beer and a shower in the walmart sink he said but like that was one of his fondest memories and like i this area not only has great musicians and talent but it gives a chance to a lot of musicians and talent through like our promoters and stuff too. So people really don't understand like the market that we have here. There's yeah. a lot more going on than people like to think there is. Oh yeah. And I always still think there could be more. Like I, I still have that constant conversation of how amazing it would be for a Cedar Rapids area to have a, 
have like a Woolies type venue here where that was strictly Indeed. dedicated to those regional acts coming through. But then, but then my brain always, I, I fall out of positivity mode and I go into, well, but God, it'll probably go under in a year because no one wants to pay cover charges and support arts. But I don't know. I, I do, do you think something like that would last around here? Could make it? I think it could last if we took a really special approach to it. And that approach would be like, super duper low ball small capacity super small like something that's so sustainable and it almost feels exclusive right like so even most people don't want to pay that charge but there is a select group of people who do so you cater to that group and basically make them go bonkers over who's actually going to get in and who's not going to yeah. i think there's a uh what's the record it's been years and years since i talked about this but i had a a friend of my dad's used to talk about this group I don't remember their actual name, but they tour as a Nirvana cover band called Deervana. It's Deer Tick. Have you ever heard of Deer Tick? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so they have a label or something that got super involved with a venue. Another name that I can barely remember is like the Barn in Makokoda or something like that. Are you familiar? Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you about? talking about, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, why can't I think of the name of it right now? Here, you keep talking. I'll find that for you. Okay, so basically, though, like, why that was super popular, I used to meet a lot of coworkers uh, in my former day job and stuff who, who were, like, super-duper loyal to this place. And this Codfish place Hollow? Like, Is that what you're talking about? Or, or you're not talking about the newer one, Codfish Hollow? I don't think Probably so. Probably not. Okay. It doesn't quite sound right. I, but the point is, though, is, like... The type of venue is very Iowa. The way it looks, the location, like everything about it, and it, and it does bring in like these regional acts, but it is fairly small and kind of niche. But in doing that, it like has almost a mystique to it. Like I was interested, not even for the sake necessarily of the music or the venue alone, but the way that people describe the experience of it, it was something really special to them. And so even me not necessarily having any particular show or particular reason to want to go, there was always like this itch to check it out. And that was true of like all of these littler places. So maybe, maybe if we like lowballed it and like set, you know, not necessarily set expectations low, but just, you know, get your tiptoes wet first. You can always get bigger. You can right, bite right. off more than you can chew and you're never going to swallow it, but you could bite off a little and bite more later and be okay. So if Cedar Rapids did something like that and found the right venue for it, I don't think it would have any problem succeeding because... You know, like the comedy clubs and stuff like that, they can make it work. Totally. And people can make things work like that. So I don't see why it couldn't. I think the problem with this area is is that sometimes people are almost too ambitious. I used to play with a lot of like metalcore bands. I'd open up shows with the acoustic show because they wanted a contrast. Oh, nice. And some of these guys, some of these guys were like doing full out photo shoots and merch before they even rehearsed <laughs> together the first time. <laughs> And like the marketing side of it, I think, was more attractive to some of these guys than the actual music was. And that's why they always fizzled out, because they just put too much into the wrong part first. They were great, and they were awesome, and they did sound amazing, but everybody around here has a bad habit of jumping the gun, and too, I think that's the problem. Too many people see see a success, uh, they see a musician or a band that is in a successful place, and they think they think that it happened overnight. Um, and I think that's the problem is, is people don't, 
maybe it's just the modern era. Nobody wants to put the time in anymore to like succeed at their craft where they just want it all or none. And maybe that's why they fizzle out so fast is if a year goes by and they don't get that big gig that they think they should get, then they're like, well, screw this. We're getting all these other bands are stealing our gigs. We, if somebody just give us a chance, we'd be able to do it. And I, that's what like, you know, with, with pork teas, man, we've been around for like in one way or another 13 something years, man. I mean, it, yeah. we, we did miraculously seem like we sprung on the Cedar Rapids scene, but dude, I'll, I'll talk about it. Every time I get a chance, there were, there were three or four shows we played in the area where zero people came to a free show to watch us play. I mean, that is disheartening, dude, but you know what? Like yeah. you keep going, you keep going. One of these days we'll, We'll, we'll find that niche and we'll try to get these people and they'll like us. So yeah, you just literally can't give up. <laughs> well, you can't be afraid of the rejection either. When I like first moved to Cedar Rap, it's funny that you mentioned that though, because like Pork Tees to me, I went to school with Becca Grief, Mason's little sister. We well, were both born on the same day in the same hospital and both grew up with like severe musical interest and talent. So it was always like this creepy <laughs> right. families. And like I she would always talk about it and obviously the younger you are the goofier you are and i know mason was like taking it seriously but it was it was all for fun and stuff he always said like yo man even i should just go like check out like the, it's ridiculous it's a pork tornado she's like it's literally fucking ridiculous they're so much fun they're hilarious they love to drink and play and they're just fucking fun like it's amazing and i remember that phase i remember you guys uh, and maybe it was an iteration with or how long have, have you been in the group the whole time? No, no. So I, I was kind of a I, I kind of weaseled my way in in like 2010, 11, where I I, st I saw these guys. I'm like, shit, man, I these guys are pretty good. I wonder if I can play drums for them. So I started setting up shows in Cedar Rapids where the money wasn't that good. So I said, I'll tell you what, you don't have to bring your guitar player or your drummer. Just I'll sit in when you play in Cedar Rapids. And then sure enough, you know, I learned the set and then their drummer Dante, who was insanely amazing at the drums. He, he took a gigging, like a touring gig, uh, and ended oh, up moving to Texas. So I said, what's up? I know the, I know the songs. Let's do this. So that was probably, well, that's I think 2012 I is when I got in the band full time. That's when we were like on the exit portion of high school. So I think that's like right when we were having the conversation. So you were part of that then. You were just part of the group of dudes who was just hanging out. You're having drinks. You're having fun. I remember the totally. hub was like your guys' the big hub, place. It was before my time like to actually get there and party. But like just the way that people talked about it and the video clips and all the things you see, you can tell it was special. Like for you, you for would have done, else. you would have done very well there. Like that would have been a nice place for you to play <laughs> for sure. It seemed like it, it seemed like the right kind of clientele. That's for sure. You can just, and I mean, definitely your sound at the time was very to that. I mean, it's, it's just like you guys take the kind of the same approach where you take the, the approach in like covering music. Mason always sings songs by girls. You yeah. always talk about that. You guys sing songs by girls. I sing songs like, I'm this really pasty white kid. I was pretty chonky back in the day and all that. And like, I was playing like hip hop and R&B music, but with an electric or like acoustic guitar twist. So like, that was always my thing. So like seeing somebody else who was kind of writing this, hey, let's play music that doesn't look like I would fit us, but like we kick ass with it. So we're just going to roll with it. And there you go, building pretty much an entire career and one of the best bands in the state doing something like that. But it's those goofy ideas that you just have to roll with because at first it might just seem silly. But like, like you said, I, when I came to Cedar Rapids and moved here as a young college kid, I handed out demos and shit that would just end up in the trash for totally. sure. 
But every now and then you get someone to take a chance on you. And it just so happened that their cousin's best friend had saw you at this place. And before you know it, people actually start to kind of care. Well, dude, that's really funny that you say uh, you went to school with Becca because I was trying to remember exactly what that connection was because the first time I ever actually heard of you was from Mason. Uh, he mm-hmm. this was this was a while back. I mean, we're probably talking six, seven, eight years ago. He's like, oh, dude, yeah, there's this guy from uh, my hometown, and you got to check out this video because I think we were having like a Kendrick Lamar love affair at one point. He goes, no, no, you got to see this. He's got a Kendrick Lamar video, and so I think. You should. You do have like a really, really, really old Kendrick Lamar video on YouTube, right? Yeah, I do. Before I even started like doing, I did a newer, an updated version with the loop tricks, but it was like a purely acoustic, like in my apartment with a blanket hanging on my window as a curtain Dude, as a backdrop. It was so good though. Like I remember going, yeah, it was that same thing you just said. It was that holy shit, like this guy's doing that. Like which I think right. a lot of people say, like, oh, th- this band's playing that, and I think. Okay, call it a gimmick. Yeah, maybe it is. But if that's what it takes to sort of just get people to click on your video or to hit play on your song or to step into a bar to hear you play, if that's all it takes, fine. And then you wow them with like, hey, I'm actually good at this. Well, for me too, another big reason I play music like that is because like I grew up with a lot of very classic rock people and like my dad when he was when I was young, like four or five years old, he was laid up after cancer treatments. He was like weak, reduced to a a recliner for like the first portion of my life, could barely move around. But he was a DJ and a huge party animal in the 80s and he had all these imports and like we used to use to a whole bunch of like classic rock, like rock blues Stevie Ray Vaughan, George Thorogood, Steve Miller, just a bunch of that shit all the time. And so that was like my roots in guitar. But then like growing up, obviously, I was smart enough to kind of start walking away from getting stuck in like, okay, like rock is like superior. It's like, no, rock, I owe everything to rock music and I always will. But I noticed there's this other cool stuff. And the the way I thought of it is, is that how can I make like older people like younger people's music, but Ooh. also make younger people like older people's music? So the that goal is hard, was to man. make new music sound older and older music sound newer. Oh my God. So like in my live show, I like mix a Beatles song and that progresses into like Paper Planes by M.I.A. Hell and yes. Like transition and people don't have time to talk or say anything between, but like the people who can catch both... Because even if you don't like pop radio, you always kind of associate a certain time with what was on pop radio. Like, no matter who you are, everybody Completely. has a throwback moment. Everyone at the bowling alley, you know, if paper planes came on, they all did the little finger guns. And, like, everybody <laughs> remembers that, whether you like it or not. And so it brings people to that point. And, like, that was my goal, was to make people who would sit there and talk shit about rap music or say, like, racist or yucky things. I could pull a song out and they would be like, that's awesome, what's that song called? And, like, the biggest and most awesome, like, fuck you in the world is to tell somebody that they like something that they think Dude, that they don't. absolutely right, man. That is that is so true. Like, we, we always joke about... Sometimes when we're playing Taylor Swift, sometimes the the drunken dudes are singing more than the chicks are. And you're like, yeah, I got you. (laughs) You know, you know, it's in there and you know that they're just trying to like wear a skin about it the whole time. And you look at like music history with it too, like a band like Kiss, you know, a lot of people who are older and like, you know, like the Not Quite Bros Boys, those guys play a lot of like 80s, 70s rock and they play it in a way that... I think the older crowd feels like they're seeing the younger embodiment of these bands. So they're getting to like relive something special because these guys play those songs better than the guys who wrote them anyway, because I don't even like most nope. of the, the catalog, but they kill it every time. And so, 
you look at things and as long as it's like packaged the right way you can get it because like kiss is a is a hard rock like super theatrical 70s band but their most played song on spotify is i was made for loving you which was a disco song from a disco album because they were trying to sell more sales doing doing disco which everyone said sucked but magically a rock band does it and everybody who was like burning these records and stuff now has a favorite right. disco song and they don't even realize that that's what they're doing so that's what you're doing, man. You're just uh, you're just making people like the stuff they said they didn't like, right? I'm playing games with their heads, yeah. <laughs> well, Absolutely. have you have you always just been a solo musician, or have you ever played in a full band before? I was in a full band. So how it started was, my dad got me lessons from a guy named Adam Helmrichs, who is like a local legend in like the Delaware County area. He played a lot of blues music and a lot of rock music, and I would do like sit-ins with those guys at first, and then. I just dabbled on my own, kept learning. He moved to, my teacher Adam moved to Minnesota to like ground his family. And so I was kind of alone again. I didn't get as many sit-ins, but like a bunch of random older guys would have me as a fill-in when I was younger. And then I played at Ryan, Iowa for a talent show and a guy named Dylan Silver. I don't know if you've ever heard his name. He's a really good vocalist. He saw me and he really liked what I did with the guitar, and his band that he was calling A Beautiful Chaos needed a lead guitar player. He was all into writing original music, very anti-cover and everything. We recorded a record together that I think was actually really good, and we were actually playing like original shows and stuff at Coe College, because that's where our drummer was going at the time. And like I'm still a high school kid throughout, and it was working. But he drank a lot, and I love the guy, and if he hears this, like I still appreciate everything he did, but he got a little sloppy there, and eventually No Call, No showed his way out of the oh, band. Yeah. People noticed. It was really shitty. But me, my drummer, and our bass player, Jeff Woods, who Jeff is part of uh, Slap and Tickle. Oh, no he's, shit. Okay. He's the bass player. He taught me everything I know about running sound. He mentored me on like good business relationships. Jeff's with great. Bars, like, how to do all that stuff. He was a huge mentor because he was like the older character. He's like another dad, basically. And uh, we started a band. We just reformed without our vocalists. I started singing because I had to take over one show where Dylan got super drunk. <laughs> couldn't sing, but everyone was there for a show. And like, I'm a 16. They're there to see this kid who's like 16, who's ripping at the bars past like 1 a.m. So it's like the whole thing is on me. I did it. It worked. We renamed ourselves Saturday Night Ride because our drummer was a huge into wrestling and that was like his go-to move to like, you know, <laughs> really put his place. And we played for a couple of years, but as a 16 to 18 year old, a 22 to 24 year old collegiate wrestler and student and a 40, like <laughs> late thirties, early 40 engineer at Rockwell slash father of two husband traveler, like the schedule, I love playing with people, but the schedule didn't work. And in the background, I always wanted to learn to produce music, but wanted to do it as lazy as I could. Right. So instead of learning computer stuff, I just got a loop station and I started recording things on a single channel on a looper. I eventually realized that's an inferior way to do it. But then I realized, like, wait a second, though, this is a good way that I could try this out live. So I did uh, like a show the night before Thanksgiving in a tiny town called Westgate. In 2011, I plugged the looper into like a shitty Yamaha speaker with no amp or anything. I just boosted the gain on the mixer and it was ridiculous. But people at this bar liked it. And ever since then, that's what I've been doing. And I mean, I'm not opposed to being with a band. And I think a band could really bring out like my guitar playing. But at the same time, 
it's really nice just being able to do what I want yep. without having to direct other people. And I'm so jaded and spoiled by it at this point that you would have to be like almost completely subservient to me in order <laughs> to like be in a band. Unless I'm like the, not like the leader, but everyone would look, a lot of people look to me for it because I have the experience. And I'm like, well, if I'm your band leader, then you're not going to like me anymore, basically. Well, we joke about that with Mason. Like we we, we are th- extremely thankful that Mason is, is pretty lazy when it comes to music uh, and <laughs> just <laughs> that he doesn't have any initiative or drive. And this is in no way dogging him mason because i like the stuff he does on guitar and vocals like i mean i don't even know it's just natural to him but he doesn't he doesn't like the business side of it and he doesn't like booking shows he just likes to show up (laughs) and and we joke that it needs to stay that way because then we're kind of out of a job if he decides to start looping and doing stuff like you're doing (laughs) Uh, fair enough at the same time though you guys are a package deal there's a tightness to your guys's outfit that's what makes any of the local bands special like above all else above content or anything the reason i like you the reason I like Surf Zombies, the reason I like Not Quite Brothers, all of them, it's not just because of like individual ties or preference, but the tightness is just there. Because you can tell, any normal person can't tell a lot of things about a band, but most normal people can tell if you're tight or if you're not. That's pretty easy to pick out. And so if you're tight, I think you got it. And so that, that's what that's what I see in an overwhelming amount of people around here. So Casey, I'm uh, sorry, this ice chattering. No, it sounds good. I, I imagine it a nice bourbon. I, I don't know what you're drinking, but that's what I'm picturing in my head. Ground apple and Sprite. Okay. That works for me. <laughs> it's a nice like fruity drink. Oh, my wife bought it. Hey, whatever, whatever it takes around the holidays, man. Well, Ooh, you yeah. know what, you know, what's super cool too. If, if people don't know, um, you just put out a new album called uh, coffee at odd hours, I think is the name yeah. of it. Um, Correct. Dude, I checked it out. It sounds it sounds amazing. Like you you clearly took some time, knew what knew where you were going, knew that the the production I that the production value had to be good and I feel like you didn't t- half ass this. Like you made sure all takes were perfect. Um, one of the things I had to laugh about was, um, what, what's the, uh, sorry, I'm not prepared with the name, but what's the, what's the song that that's kind of, what would you call the single from that one? That's been getting a lot of traction. Ooh, oh, sick. I'm not yeah. Okay. It. So yeah. it just, just to show you, um, how amazing that is, is, is that's a, that's a great song lyrically. I, I love where you went with that. And then you even were managed to slip in, uh, slipped in a, a Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself part into yes, the lyrics, it did, which it rhymed too. that's it that, that made me laugh out loud. I'm like, hell yeah. He slipped it in there, dude. You have to people. I think that like, I try to appeal to people who are like at least somewhat like-minded to me. So like naturally, if you're down with that meme and down with like, you know, the background of all that, I mean, anybody who's on the internet should know what's going on with that. But like, I think it's a good reference. A lot of people can appreciate. And now it's stuck there. You know, it's like, it's not going it's anywhere there forever. So uh-huh. did you, did you do this all yourself? Did you record everything on your own? I did everything on my own, except on um, like the third track. I had uh, a buddy of mine. There's a group called Reggae Rapids, another incredibly tight group around the Cedar Rapids area. Their guitar player and producer, Davis Coover, super cool. I went over to their house slash like they have an actual like legit soundproof recording zone in their home. Super chill. And I did vocal takes and stuff over there just because I couldn't get it right at home. It just sounded bad every time. I had the original files from like an old old hard drive but for some reason with every update of the software i use the previous recorded clips from a different version diminish in quality every time you port them and i was like two versions ahead oh, no. so 
it's already not quite how I'd like it to be because it was originally a lot even better, but I didn't want to get rid of the song because it was special. So I had him clean those up for me. And then the only other thing was the last track is like focused more on like electronic style, like dubstepy production. So I had my buddy Dallas Nicholson in Des Moines do the master on that track because I can master rock music and like alternative music, but I can't get like the crisp, like the clean bass sounds out of my mix that those guys can get. And they do a phenomenal work. Like he's doing work with like some movies or commercials or things like that because it's just so clean. It's really unconventional to have every song mastered the same except for one on the record. But <laughs> right. again, oh, well. they were songs that were special to me, so I didn't really care at the end. Yeah, so so was this a long time in the works for you, or was this kind of a product of, of 2020 and COVID and all that stuff? A little bit of both. It, uh, a lot of songs were just kind of stragglers who I always wanted to give a proper home, but they never really had one. But then since they all have kind of like an a really anxious kind of tone to them for one reason or another, whether it's about like drugs or money or like lady problem stuff that's in the past. Like it's weird listening to that song, like songs I wrote because like I'm much happier. I was never like sad. I'm not like depressive. My wife always tells me that I try to sound too much like a sad boy in some of my music. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not sad. God damn it. I'm very happy. I'm and emotional. I always was, but that's because I can like get it out in a song i don't have to feel shitty because the song can feel shitty for me now you know like that's what it's for and so it's like 2015 and now a couple of the songs were brand new this year a couple of them were like long from the past but they all felt good together they all needed a home i needed to share them with people and so it's like a sample palette like the next time i make something it'll probably be more focused like i'll do something bluesier more hip-hoppy and like devote whole projects to one sound but this is like your sample palette How's the reception been? I mean, it's it's so amazing that that you can get this done, that people can create music, and then it's just so easy to put it out there, and now it people can consume easy. it. I mean, are, are people listening? Are you getting good feedback on it? Absolutely, yeah. I have a lot of people who want to like pick up hard copies. I've had people who've listened to the streams and really enjoyed it. They vibe with the lyrics. They like the chill guitar stuff. Obviously, it's just a matter of promoting and getting people to like get there. I think more people will listen. And I have purposely not done like any big ad campaign or anything for it because, more or less, I've been out of work and I need to be putting my money like Christmas to my family. Yeah, and, right. You know, things that are more important, but. I'm trying to do as much organic promotion as I can and then out of nowhere like once things are a little bit easier like almost like reverse advertising like I'll put like a good sum of time or money into properly putting it out there for more people who don't know me but right now I just kind of try and focus on people who already are familiar and who like it and of those people who've taken the time to listen they all seem really happy about it they're like oh man I see what you did there you know they, <laughs> they feel it I think it's been good. He's kind of proud even, of that, man. Yeah, no, and and people. Another thing I did, I read like books on music and industry. And about a year ago, I started reading this book called Music 4.0. I can't reach it from where I'm sitting, but I don't remember the author or anything. But I only got like two chapters in because I wanted to like when I read these books, I want to apply it because like when I first started listening to your podcasts and getting on the music page, when you start adhering to the things that smart people are telling you you'll realize that they work, right? So like I put some of your strategies and ideas about like marketing and dressing the part, you know, ditch the cargo shorts, all that good <laughs> shit. And you're absolutely right. No, it's it's proven right. I mean, I'll still wear, I, I'm comfortable with my own skin. I'll make it work no matter what I wear, but you're absolutely right, you know, dress for the job you want. And so I read other literature 
and there's this theory, it's like the lowball theory or something like that. If you offer something to somebody for free or ridiculously cheap, but then give them the option to like go above your price point, you are more likely to gain capital faster than if you would have put like a modest or high price on it. Really? So I've only charged $4, which is like the cost to make an individual disc in my home per physical copy. And of like the, there's at least like 20 or 30 people who bought records now, only one of them actually paid as low as four bucks. And that was my best friend who wanted it autographed as your longtime hater, spelled H. <laughs> are because he does not give a fuck about my music he gives a fuck about me and so there's always been that separation but he jokingly and like for our relationship's sake gave me the lease but everybody else has paid like marginally above that amount where are they where are they buying this off of because i mean it is available what on on itunes you can stream it on every single platform i'm just doing like a made to order deal with physical copies because i learned a long time ago that if you get a distributor to give you a hundred there's no guarantee because no. just like with, sh- with the shows, you know, you'll get this many RSVPs and only this many will show up. I think it's even worse with hard copy discs. Yeah. A bunch of people say they want one until it's time to actually buy it. And then they either ghost you out on it or they just don't care anymore. So I wanted to do reverse that. If you want one, I'll make you one. Otherwise, it's just available to you literally everywhere else for free or for payment. Right. So that's another part of that model. It's like you're giving it to them. They can basically just have it wherever, whenever they want. But because you're telling them that they have the option to like possess it, not that you're saying they have to, but because they can, they will. And as of right now, like the effectiveness of that model is like 98%. That Dude, that's great. I mean, I, I'll put it personally. I, I haven't bought a CD in, I don't know, six, seven years uh, like if, if you had the option, this is me. If you said, well, you can just stream it or buy the CD. I'm like, oh, unfortunately as an audiophile, I'm like, well, I'm just not going to, I'm going to lose that CD. I'm not going to listen to it. So I'll, I'll stick with the streaming, but, um, I'll tell you where I have gone. And I think for the first time ever, 2020 was the year that vinyl outsold CDs, for the first That's time. Wonderful. Yeah, isn't it? And, and dude, I'll tell you what, I, I finally, I've had a, I've had a great vinyl collection and, but I never really had the proper setup. And just now in COVID, I, I took the time to make sure I got some good speakers. Oh, it's I, nice. Yeah. And I made my setup nice to where I could sit down and enjoy it. And I, dude, I've listened to nearly my entire collection over the last three, four five months because it's oh, just such an enjoyable experience where Man, I used to do that with CDs, but I just I just don't do it anymore. So I'm glad that at least the the vinyls making a resurgence because that just sounds so much better. Than- well, yeah, I would love to I would love to put out records too, but obviously the expense that's gonna come oh, with yeah. like pressing a record. See, that's what I'm gonna wait for though. It's like eventually, if I gain generate enough on here, I'll be like, hey, guess what? There's like one single vinyl copy of this available, and now somebody gets to have it for X price point or there, some dude, shit. There like you that. go, right? Would you but, ever do but no, like? I, Oh, go ahead, man. Huh? No, you go ahead. Cool. W- would you ever do um, like a crowdfunding thing? Because when, when we've talked to a lot of people, I, I want to say the last one I remember doing would have been like Half Loves out of Iowa City, who's an incredible original band around here. But they they wanted to put out a vinyl. They knew they were going to do it, but they're also sitting here going, man, we got to press like a lot of these to try to get mm-hmm. our costs down. So I think they, they crowdsourced it where they essentially said, we need X amount of dollars pledged uh, in order to put this on vinyl. And obviously if you pledge 
$20 or more, you, you're in line for a vinyl. And that, that kind of told them that the money was going to be there. So I don't right. know. I, I, would you ever try something like that? I would consider it, but I would do the same thing I said about a Cedar Rapids venue and go low ball first before I try to press a whole record. I'd press like a 45 of two songs, an A-side and a B-side, so I could go for cheaper because it's a smaller unit to create. I'd see how much I could get interested in that realm and then see how many of those I could push and then make my next decision. That's there, what I would do. There you go, man. Yeah, I, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one. I, I would uh, stream your album all day, which I have, and I would buy it, which I have because I'm putting it on this uh, People Heard It at the beginning of this episode but i tell you what i would buy i would definitely buy a vinyl if you if you put one out well that's so nice i would buy any record that you are a part of as well anybody around here i'm still trying to get a hold of some some people press records around here but as soon as covid hit some people are understandably a little bit timid to the idea of you know like point point of sale with people and that's fine i can wait i'll be patient some people have even like opted to take a hard copy but then the delivery just wasn't working out. I've had like two people now who gave me like 20 or 30 bucks and the delivery time just weren't working. And they're like, you know what? If you want to hold the copy, you can get sell it to somebody else. But consider this just me paying you for your art right here. Yeah. And that's even cooler because now I have another copy that I basically sold two times. And people are actually willing to do that. People see that it's such a low ball cost. And it just attracts them to want to do it because they think it's so... Anybody will go for a bargain, basically, if they see it as one. Because at $4, that's not even a dollar per song. And it's like $0.69 a piece on all of the services. So you have to start that way because, again, like the ambition, I think... I mean, I'm no super pro yet. It's like one record, one thing I've done in like a month so far. So there's still a lot of stats to gather on it. But I think that as long as you just make it seem real for who you are i'm not saying that a lot of things you talk about you know uh you gotta not only dress the part but you really do have to kind of act bigger than you are sometimes and that's absolutely true i would agree but at the same time you have to kind of like realize like hey i produced this record on a computer with a couple monitors (laughs) and instruments in my basement like let's be real here it's not a million dollar album at least not off the bat but it has potential to be something greater if people make it worth something greater yeah, no, no, I totally agree, man. You know what? And and that reminded me, I don't know why I just thought of that. You uh well, first of all, I'll throw some stats at you. Um if if you guys haven't subscribed or checked it out, um Casey's got a YouTube channel that's I mean, dude, you're what at like twelve hundred subscribers, I think. You've had it for you've had it for eleven years and you have it's ju- old. Dude, you have just under five hundred thousand views. Which is which is crazy, right? It's it's like it's good and ba- the thing that the number one comment I get there like with the YouTube crowd is they're like like why uh, why aren't more people looking in my comment every time I'm like why aren't you sharing smiley face <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's, but no I always I kid there are people who comment and say they've been with it th- since the beginning and like just another tangent if you don't mind I had a video a couple weeks ago that maybe had like thirty five views or so. Just a guitar solo that I ripped it here one night and thought it was worth posting. And a buddy of mine saw it, showed it to his nine-year-old son, who he said has, like, no hobbies or anything outside video games. That video lit a fire under his ass to, like, get up and want to learn. And that led to his dad booking uh, Brooke, who, <coughs> the Surf Zombies lead yeah, guitar player. for Brooke. lessons? As a lesson, because I played it. He was inspired. He wanted to get a teacher who like did it right. I owe him like a lesson or two because he wants the kid wants to like talk to me and like see what I'm doing. 
but he knows that I talk about Brooke, and he knows from watching Brooke that he is proficient at giving lessons. So I might have only had 35 views on that video, but I already have a personal connection with somebody, and I passed a job on to someone in our community. Well, if you want to get credit me to that. You don't have to, though, no. because it's his own credit, you know what I'm saying? But it's just that that means more to me than any metric the YouTube can ever throw at Well, me. Well, that's that's where I was going with this, actually. I didn't realize there was a great story like that, which is incredible. But there was a video you put out just recently where you were just speaking to the camera. And I think I think it had something to do with it was like uh, musician, like jaded musicians kind of uh, talk. Mm -hmm. you, you were just speaking for, for six-something minutes about about that, which I'd love to dive into. But one of the things you really talked about, which funny enough, just kind of revolves back to what just happened was you're talking about how people get really caught up in the numbers game, you know, like the how many views are happening on my videos. And if enough people aren't liking this, then it's just it wasn't good. It wasn't worth my time. And and dude, I'm, I felt like you were yelling right at my face. I felt like you were in my face going, Mike, stop getting so caught up in that shit. Because, you know, as a as a person that runs a social media page, you just that's what these social media sites are programmed to do subconsciously in our brains is to make us to make us feel good when someone says something nice or likes something or watches it and dude i'll be so I, and I get it both ways. One, it really sucks when you put a lot of time into something and then yes. it just gets suppressed in, in like algorithms or, or just nobody sees it. Nobody takes the time to watch it. Yeah, that really sucks. But at the same time, it was refreshing to hear you say that like, man, you're, you're, you're losing sight of what is, what is cool. The creation of this, the process of doing this, like well, the, the response from people is like, oh, okay, great. That's awesome. But the, the journey is the best part. Well, not only that though, but it's like, if, if, you know, there's the numbers, but then there's just a really human response. This comes back to like a conversation I had with a DJ. I went out to a party or like a show at Gabe's in Iowa City where there was a number of acts competing to get a spot at Summer Camp Music Festival. And my one of my favorite Iowa DJ duos, they call themselves Bad Man. They play like some really dark, spooky dubstep music. They won the competition. I went to the after party and I talked to this guy named Malcolm. And Malcolm has gone under this new moniker as Medicine Place. And online he has like a decent following. It's good. It's whatever. But he said, yo, man... All these people are caught up in these numbers, but you don't even see what's really out there. You look any photo he's ever taken, like when he had like 200 or le less likes on his Facebook page, he had pictures with like 5,000 people in a room, and like any of these people would go to his shows anytime, regardless of what those numbers said. And he said that like it's important, you know, for business, you got to look at it, but if you're really just concerned about numbers and influence, then it's like you're kind of forgetting why you're there in the first place. And he actually abandoned like his previous like moniker where he had a bigger online following because of that reason. He thought that he like lost something right. that was authentic to him. And so as soon as he took the dive and just started talking to people, you know, like throwing demos to people at shows and just like communicating. And he said that that matters more than anything. And he even told me like it, it's like kind of a head up your ass move to get too concerned about like some graph you're looking at on a screen and like equating everything you love about what you do to the way a line squiggles and i said jesus christ you just like changed my entire <laughs> Wait, opinion say like, say that well, we need to hear that one more time say that again <laughs> which part that that the, last that last thing the, you said the lines and squiggles on a screen if you 
if you are just that concerned, if everything that you've ever done is equated to like a dot graph, then it's like Jesus Christ, like what the <laughs> hell have you even, what are you anymore? That's, that's, yeah. I mean, you, you have to break it down like that sometimes because it's, dude, like you're never, I've said it so many times before to so many people that have reached out saying, uh, you know, we, I want to get bigger and I want to get better and I want bigger shows. It's like the one thing I want to tell you from experience is that you'll never, ever be satisfied <laughs> no matter no, what never. you're never going to, you're never going to hit a point that goes, yep, I did it. I finally made it. It will never happen. You'll, you'll have a new mountain you want to climb in every time. Yeah, dude. And, and that's, so it was not, it was really refreshing to hear that. And I think, I think number one, people should go uh, check out some of the cool videos on your YouTube, that being one of them. Um, and I, I did, I love looking at stats and things like that. So of course I, that's how I knew how many views you had, but I also wanted to find out your most popular video. Do you know what your most popular YouTube video is? It's the paper planes cover. Isn't no, 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 no. It's T-Pain, buy you a drink. From oh shit, like, that's right. That from one like, jumped. That, yeah, like that nine years ago or something like that. Yeah, it's playing the YouTube does this weird shit with the algorithm because it's all about likes that are generated. So when one random group of people decides that they really enjoy this video and share it in their circle, it starts getting shot all over. And then as soon as you start actually replying to comments and shit, you'll get more engagement because it'll recommend you to more because it sees that both A, people like the video and B, like the creator and the video are still alive. So I saw that one take a big leap. Yes, 37,000. Yeah. And it was at like 20K at the beginning of the year. And like compared to some channels, obviously that's not a huge jump, but like my viewership is up by like, I don't know, a couple hundred percent in some of those categories. And that's like a whole nother thing too, like the residual, like you never lose your old content as long as you don't delete it. So it's always there helping you out in the background. It's a nice surprise to like click the back button and go, whoa, and find out that you got like another couple thousands of views on something you did when you were a teenager have you monetized the youtube channel yet i'm not available to i don't have enough watch time oh are you close at least because i what the number one the first stat is a thousand subscribers right yeah that's the easy one but then you have to have like what like four hundred thousand minutes or something no, like that four hundred minutes per month average or it's it's like four hundred thousand minutes or something like that isn't it Am I crazy? For 400 hours, I'm sorry. 400, 400 hours, there it is. Hours per month, average though. <sighs> so if you had a year, like they, they calculate it once annually, I'm pretty sure. So if you had, you know, a big lump at the beginning, but a smaller lump at the end, but then they took the division by 12 months and it equaled 400 or more, you would be green lighted to monetize. But that's getting really muddy too. I don't know if you've been following anything about the DMCA claims, but apparently... Uh, there is a, a politician who's more or less been bought out by a lot of like music industry bigwigs, and they're trying to put a 16-year prison sentence maximum for people who repeatedly abuse DMCA copyright infringement. Really? It's like a new. It's a hot topic among like YouTube creators right now and stuff. I don't know how far it's gotten along, but uh, one of my favorite like YouTube personalities pulled the stats from this guy's super pack and like his top donor his comment was you could literally pay more it costs more right now to get a hold of the rarest pokemon card that exists than it does to buy a politician in the united states <laughs> oh my god and that's a fact like his entire his highest donor was like a 30k marker the highest card is like a 50k marker and like all the smaller donors are like super modest so it's honestly saying that it is easier to purchase the influence of like a U.S. senator 
than it is to get a hold of a trading card game. So are you saying that we can actually funnel some money to Kim Reynolds to actually get her to approve the Iowa's official ban moniker that we made up for ourselves is what you're saying? I mean, <laughs> where there's a will, there's a way, man. It I got, depends I got on how hard dude. you want to lobby. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really want to talk to the old Kim Reynolds. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, we won't even. I, we don't want to talk. We politics. Politics aren't good. For, this isn't the dinner table, but it feels like the dinner table. So we're going to leave them behind. Minus the part where I said you can buy one, because that's actually a pretty, that's pretty fucking impressive thought that it's less... The highest donor of a politician super pack is like 20k less than the highest rare Pokemon card wow. a person could buy. That's nuts, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll have nuts. to look into that because I, I I do follow YouTube pretty closely, and it and it is a a goal to continue to try to generate revenue on that thing. But obviously, Tom. they they keep trying to make it harder. Tom Tills, Senator Tom Tills, Tom targets Tills. criminal streaming services with protecting lawful stream act. There you go. Okay. That's yep. so bookmark if you, if you for me to check look, it out. If you, want to, if you want to learn about that and cry a little more about the things that are going on in the world, that's a perfect one that'll just make you... If you're feeling optimistic about 2021, that one can take you right back. <laughs> Great. That, I have been feeling pretty optimistic lately, so I need to I need to bring myself back down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> take it down a peg, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. Don't well, do that. Please I won't, don't man. Do I that. won't. Before we get going, man, we've been chatting for a little while. I, I'd love to... One of the things I try to ask people is, um, you know, I, I did genuinely start this Cedar Rapids music scene from a good place and a, and a good heart, yeah. and and, and I think, and I think sometimes that that things that I do come off negatively, but but I, I think I, I can be a little overly harsh though on some of the things that do happen in our scene. So uh, what, what do you think? What do you think? As, as I mean, truthfully, probably one of the hardest working musicians in our scene. Um, you know, this year being a weird year, but. How do you mm-hmm. how do you view the state of of the Cedar Rapids Iowa City music scene and how do you how do you think we can continue to make it better? I think it's just a matter of getting people to realize that they share more common ground than they think they do. For example, there's like cover band versus original band. There's like I call myself kind of like a lobby musician, you know. I'm not necessarily selling you tickets or something. I'm in the corner of your favorite dive bar or whatever. And like I accept that as that's where I'm at, you know, that's what I like to do. I'd love to play I do play ticketed shows, I'll do a ticketed show, but the whole divide between like being that kind of musician or like someone playing in like quote unquote real venue you know there needs to be less of the verses and more of the understanding that it's all part of the same thing you know the original bands and the cover bands can't be fighting each other because they're too different to compare the kind of guy like me who's like the human jukebox in the live show is different than somebody like yourself who's putting on a full-on production and they can all mix and mingle. It's like it's not mutually exclusive. We just need to learn that everybody who is involved is doing something that is benefiting somebody else in the scene. And that's absolutely true no matter what anybody tells you if you just work a little bit together. And I'm not saying that you all have to be friends or be buddy-buddy no. or even like what other people are doing necessarily, but you have to understand that like this ecosystem, we have an opportunity to put other people forward. And for everything that you share or talk about, like another group that's completely different than you, you're just helping people realize how much stuff there is around here, both entertainment wise. It just it all goes back to people just thinking that living in Iowa has to be like boring or whatever. But we have quite a, a lively area with a lot of lively and colorful people who put on a lot of lively and colorful shows. 
and if they could just learn to get along a little better, I think that's really where it all starts. That's the number one thing everybody could do. Don't be confrontational. Don't let non-music-related opinions like sully your <laughs> attitude towards somebody else. That's a big one for sure. Especially with, like, COVID, you know, that's like the fucking boogeyman when it comes to conversation. Everyone's got a different opinion. I've had some spicy takes, but all my spicy takes come from things I hear from the people who are actually working with this bullshit right, firsthand. Right. So... When you hear something from people who are like right there, you know, I take that a little more seriously than somebody like myself who plays guitar. You know, I can't tell you myself what's going on, but when somebody who does know what's going on, so just leave the music, make it, make it about music, keep it about music, and don't be bullies to each other. That's the biggest thing. Well, and in creating that community too, the the that one of the things again why why I've really been admiring you lately is that you are taking the time to say. Hi, I'm Casey. Any, anyone that knows me trusts me as a musician and you trust my taste and, and you think that I'm successful in my field. So I want to take a moment to tell you about this band, which is really good. And because you trust me, you should check this band out. It's, it's exactly. a roundabout way of doing that, of just taking the time to go, you might like these guys. I love them. They're amazing. Check them out. And I think we should, I think we should do more of that. I, I think there should be it, more share don't you can't keep everybody for yourself like tell your fans to go check out another band like that should be a oh yeah a thing that you should make it a point like this when you hear this make it a point to pick a band in this area and share one of their videos and say everybody do it check from these a guys truthful out. place though. correct I, yeah everything everything that i like i actually like i'm not doing it to keep up appearances or to like kiss any ass cheeks i legitimately am a fan of everything that i share if i don't like it i don't talk shit about it i just don't touch it i totally. leave it alone and if i'm asked about it at another time or like by a person who's looking for you know something constructive I'll tell them, but I'm not going to waste my time shitting on someone's day, unless it's all in good humor. Some people around here in music have unfortunately done some things that are not necessarily redeemable. They've hurt a lot of other people in the scene. So when you make yourself the butt of a joke and when you do things that are really hard to come back from, that's just on you, though. That right. has nothing to do with me not liking or disliking, whatever. It's just that when you do something to enough people and enough people have caught on to it, it's hard to dig your way out. And I would expect the same treatment if I did something like that too, which hopefully I haven't, at least not yet. Not yet. So, <laughs> no, not yet. We Every dog has his day. So that's the mic as we end this episode. That's the Mike and Casey challenge is to legitimately talk something nice about a band that you love and admire in this area and help help share one of their videos or one of their posts or whatever. That's the, the Mike and Casey challenge this week as you hear this episode. You like oh, it? And and the only one other thing I would say, too, is, like, if you don't necessarily like it at first, like, give it a chance, you know, like, totally. actually indulge yourself with the music. Don't just, like, give yourself 30 seconds and form an opinion. It's like, listen to somebody's song a couple of times, feel it out, feel where you're at, do it in a good place of mind, and then form your opinion. Yeah, and I would say start with uh, Casey Klein's new album. I mean, it's it's a great it's a great listen, man, and it sounds good. Like that is sometimes I don't care about what genre you're playing or what you're saying in your songs. I just want it to sound good because even mm -hmm. the best. Sometimes I'll go back to some old bands I used to like in college where 
I really loved them, but man, their recordings were just garbage, and it's really hard to listen to a garbage recording. This is not the case with Casey. Uh, I think I think you'll at least get some good audio feelings from it, and and check it out. Um, make sure you're you're going out to see uh, Casey when he when he's out playing live. I know you're kind of. Do you got any shows coming up? How are you how are you handling the rest of the year? Are you just kind of um, sitting back for a little bit. There are some things like I'm doing a small town little fish fry this Friday at a place called Leroy's in Aurora. It's just a little spot, and then I'm at Sundown. Mountain. Mountain, oh, and they yeah. have a lot, and I mean a lot, of COVID protocol going on over there. When I was there for their season opener, they're, they're one of the stricter places. So, like, if that's what you're about and you feel safer, do it. But the way I talk about it is, and, like, this is just one last thing to not go too far on. When it comes to that, it, I wish everybody just really thought about what they're doing when they come out because i'd love for you to come see my show but at the same time like if you're in a category that means you or anyone you know is in any sort of danger like just think about it twice like think think just a little bit about it i love to see as many people as possible but i want to make sure that like you guys whoever listens whoever comes out is enjoying and doing it in a way that is respectful to you know like your life like when i come out and play i'm home taking care of my family like the rest of the week we dealt with the virus we know what's going on but if you're in a place where you're just not so sure or something just make sure you're thinking like extra hard about it i would love to see everybody come see me especially the sundown shows the last sunday uh this month at sundown mountain resort in dubuque it's a great place to hang out, even if you're not skiing or snowboarding. The bar in the lodge is super friendly. I do dig that bar. That is a nice it's, spot. It's very cute. It's well put together. It's ran by some super friendly, peppy people, and they're doing everything they can to make sure they do it right. So I would say definitely check it out. If you need some more downtime, then by all means, please do things. Hopefully we'll... You know, midnight Christmas Eve, like Mike said, it'll all just be okay again. Santa <laughs> Claus saves the world, and we're all cool. The Tim but, Allen Santa Claus? Is that who we're thinking? I maybe, mean... Maybe the Kurt Russell Santa Claus? I kind of like that new that new Kurt Russell Santa Claus. I don't know. We'll find out. Was that the Christmas Chronicles? Yeah, I kind of like him from? in that. Yeah, that's true. I need to invest myself a little bit more in that. But hey, that's what you're out there podcasting and stuff for, so I get to get some good ideas and stuff. There you go, anyway, man. Well, cool. dude, Casey, I, I really appreciate you being here. Keep beacon, uh, keep being a beacon of uh, positivity for everybody. I think it does rub off, even when it doesn't seem like it sometimes. So keep, keep doing some good stuff. Keep putting out music. And uh, I think that's going to do it for the uh, episode 53. Any, any uh, social media you want to plug for people on the way out? Uh, I mean, like you said, the YouTube channel, you can either search my name, Casey Klein, C-A-S-E-Y-K-L-E-I-N, or my tag on every single platform is guitar, pie, one, two, three. That's guitar like the instrument, pie like the food, the numeral one, two, three. I really want to keep growing the YouTube channel because obviously, like, I think there's a lot of potential with that content, just like you said, same for Pork Tees or anybody. It's a great place to get stuff out there and to worry the least about yep. you know copyright nonsense they're pretty lenient over at youtube because they have a good system so number one would be youtube but obviously check out the record on spotify amazon apple music itunes anywhere and everywhere you can consume and it's called uh coffee at odd hours coffee at odd hours yes sir i'm gonna make myself a cup right now my friend uh, please no do. probably not i'll wait till tomorrow <laughs> all right man well hey great chatting with you that's gonna do it for episode 53 i am mike schulte special guest casey Klein. we'll see you next time okay bye <laughs>